0: That life without God, beloved, life without God is empty. It's useless. It's trivial. It's worthless. Right? I mean, Solomon says it's the vanity of all vanities. If a man lives for 100 years and he yet does not know God, he's just like a piece of useless chaff.
1: Blown away. for Forgotten. with a new year in front of us it's good to understand how to start it in righteousness and avoid the opposite as we'll see next on graceful truth our series is simply entitled make your mark It's a look ahead to the new year, find out just exactly how we can make the best of the year ahead of us. Welcome, this is Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse from Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. Today, we continue with our series, again, simply entitled, Make Your Mark, as we look once again to the Psalms. You know, while there is a way of the righteous, there's also a way of the wicked. It's all laid out in Psalm 1, verses 1 through 5. Join us as we examine both ways and chart our course for the new year ahead. Here's Pastor Steve Converse with today's broadcast of Graceful Truth. Blessedness comes by building your life on the Word
0: of God. Now we kind of come to the positive. We covered what we don't do. Now we transfer over to the positive having refused to walk in the way of evildoers instead we focus on knowing God's word I pray that you have a copy of God's word I pray that you open it up daily I pray that you when you have questions you delve into it and ask God to show you and ask for wisdom as you read it we do this because the true way to float rubbish out is to pour the water in you can't get rid of Of the garbage in your life. Simply by mental effort. Doesn't work. You have to replace the negative. With something positive. The psalmist tells us. That the godly person. What delights it says. In the law of God. That means he loves the word of God. He loves the scriptures. He loves the Bible. He loves opportunities to come together. And study it together with the people of God. The word delight means to take great pleasure in. It has the idea of consuming something with passion. Something in your life that just controls your life. And all of us delight in something. Some delight in food. Some delight in a job or a hobby. Music, a career. Particular friendship. Money. Or the things money can buy. Many people delight in evil pleasures and wrongdoing. Wrong desires. Your delight determines your direction. What you delight in will tell me where you're going. Ask yourself this morning, what gets your motor running? What excites you in the morning? What keeps you awake at night? What do you daydream about? When you stop and you answer those questions honestly, you're going to find out what you delight in, beloved. Just look at a young couple who's in love. You'll know what the word delight means. Take a young man talk to his friends after he's fallen in love for the first time. What do they tell you? He's not even the same guy. He's changed. It's all about this girl he met. doesn't want to hang out with us anymore. He's got this goofy grin on his face the whole time. See, now we need to apply that principle to the Word of God. We're to the delight in God's Word as a lover delights in a letter that he is, or she has re- received from his beloved. Those who are blessed by God love his law. It says they meditate in it day and night. That word meditate has the idea of digesting something thoroughly. You know, sometimes you eat something and you can't get it digested, right? Well, this means you kind of go over it and over it and over it. You're chewing the cud, they call it. The Hebrew word can actually mean to mumble under your breath. The other day, my wife said, you know, you mumble. You're mumbling more and more. What's wrong with you? And I thought, if I'm preparing here, that's not a bad thing, necessarily. (laughs) Talking to myself. I mean, come over here Sunday morning at 5 or 6 in the morning, and you'll hear me mumbling in here. (laughs) You know, that's what I'm doing. Trying to figure out what I'm going to say, how how this study fits together. Got to get it out. See, the blessing is promised not to just any sort of mumbling (laughs) or talking to yourself. But to the patient, protracted study, study of God's Word. Does that have a part in your life? I remember when we went over to Israel, you'd see these Orthodox Jews standing in front of the Western Wall, and they're just chanting the words of the Old Testament over and over and over, and they rock back and forth in front of this wall, and I thought, well, what are they doing? They were so intent on what they were doing, they didn't even know you were standing there next to them. They were so focused. See, the psalmist gives us this word meditate and he says not only should you do that, but you do it day and night. What's he mean? Do it all the time. There's no wrong time to meditate on the word of God. I mean, it's good to practice it in the morning. Get up, you know, maybe read a couple verses of scripture, start your day that way, end your day that way. But we need to be disciplined in our thinking, in our mind to think biblically at all times. Not just when we're in church on Sunday morning. And if you practice that discipline of daily putting the word of God into your, into your head, you'll reap the, the, the results. And they'll be positive. I mean, one thing I do before I go to bed, ask my wife, you know, I put the head, ear, earbuds in and turn on the, the Bible or I'm turning on a message or I'm turning on Christian music or something. And I just fall asleep that way. And usually about 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, I'll wake up and they go back in. <laughs> and that's how I wake up. And it's, it, it, there's, there's a lot to reap from that. We hide the Word of God in our hearts. It says that we're protected from sin. And it gives us strength to obey God. I mean, you hear people today, you know, you talk about memorizing Scripture. And it's like, well, that's for the kids in Awana. <laughs> You know, what a glorious thing it would be if our church committed to, to memorizing 12 verses this year together. One for every month. I'm working on that, by the way. Maybe next week you'll have a, some information. And today, together we can memorize Scripture. That's a Christian discipline. And some of us, especially the man, I don't have time for that. My brain's too busy. I've got work. I've got this going on. I, you know what? I don't buy it. The truth is we lack motivation. I mean, if somebody real wealthy like Bill Gates was here and he said, you know what? I will pay $100 next Sunday for every verse you memorize. What would you be doing this week? $100 a verse? I know what I'd be doing. (laughs) I'd be memorizing verses. I'd be memorizing as many verses as I could. Why? Because all of a sudden there's motivation. (laughs) Money in your pocket. Something you need. See, don't don't buy into that. It comes down to desire. God's word is more precious than gold or silver. And if we delight in the word of God, you will find a way to read it. You will find a way to meditate on it and even memorize it. Fourthly here, stability and fruitfulness are the marks of blessedness. The person who builds his life on the word of God is like, it says, a tree planted by streams of water. It gives us stability. That word tree planted by streams of water has the idea of these mighty trees with large branches and deep roots that go down far enough into the soil to get their water and get their nourishment. Scientists tell us when you see a large tree that's been growing for many years like these even these oaks out here on our own property, you can be certain that there's a vast unseen root system connected to that tree. Many times, people who study these things will say, you know what, the root system is equal, maybe even equal or exceed the part that's above the tree. You think about these sequoias that we see around us. Their unseen root system gives them stability from the changing forces of nature. In times of winter storms, summer drought, the roots is what holds that tree in place. Thank God for that, or we'd be looking for a new fellowship hall or a new, new building. See, that's what a good root system does. How do you know when a tree has good roots? When the storms come. That's when you know. I mean, all trees look pretty much the same when the sun's shining and, you know, gentle rain is falling. But when the storms hit, then the true difference is apparent. The trees with few roots, shallow roots, are blown over. But the trees with deep roots are still standing and the storm has passed. And see, it's the same thing with the child of God. You won't know how good your root system is until the storms of life come crashing in on you. Only then will you discover the strength of your spiritual foundation. And the only way to really, beloved, be ready for that storm is to spend time now delighting in God's Word, mining out the truth, applying it to your Word and in your mind, day by day, meditating on its truth. What also says here, it speaks of fruitfulness, fruit in its season. That means that the tree produces Fruit that expresses the true inner character of that tree. How do you know when you spot an orange tree? We have an orange tree that our neighbor has. And when the grandkids come, they look at it and they go, hey, can we, can we go to the orange tree? I say, well, how do you know it's an orange tree? Because there's oranges on a grandpa, right? By what the orange tree produces, you know it's an orange tree. How do you spot an apple tree? Same thing. See, whatever is on the inside must eventually be seen on the outside. And that applies to our spiritual lives as well. It means when our roots grow deep in God's word, we will be given whatever we need whenever we need it. We don't have to fret. We don't have to worry. If we need love from the word of God will come the strength to produce the fruit of love. If we need a forgiving spirit, the word of God from the word of God and our study of it will come the strength to forgive. If we need courage patience, perseverance, whatever. That sort of supernatural life is what Jesus was talking about and it's available to every believer. But it will only be fully realized over time as we continue to walk and we delight in God's word. Well, blessedness fifthly here prospers in all situations. The last verses here in verse 3 offer these wonderful promises. First of all, it says, it yields its fruit in its season. Um, When you see here in verse 3 that it yields its fruit in its season, it means they gladly bring forth fruit in good times and in bad. Why? Because we're planted down deep, good soil, good roots constantly nourishing us that's why in Romans chapter 8 we'll get here in a couple of weeks but Romans 8 verse 37 it says you know what in the midst of struggle sorrow persecution famine right distress nakedness the sword those who know Christ are what more than conquerors how is that possible because we have deep roots in the word of God In this world, you're going to face disappointment, you're going to face sorrow, you're going to face rejection, failure, sickness, abandonment, discouragement, illness, physical weakness, and even eventually probably death itself. But even then, beloved, we can prosper, we can thrive, we survive, and we're not destroyed. And that's because we have deep roots in the Word of God. Secondly, here it says that the leaf does not wither. The phrase really pictures a a leafy tree that seems to be like an evergreen because its leaves are in season all year around. You need to be refreshed constantly if you're going to be this kind of a person. Constantly renewing yourself in the word of God. You're never bored with it. You've never learned too much of it. You're always looking for opportunities to partake of more of it. And then thirdly, here, look at this: in whatever he does, he prospers. This isn't necessarily talking to mainly about spiritual I mean material success, but it's not exclu- excluded here, but they prosper in the sense that no matter what happens, no matter what happens in your life, you're, you're going to find strength to go on day in and day out, and that hope will never fail. See, that's the way of the righteous. Well, quickly here. The way of the wicked. Look at verse four and five. The whole truth about the human race is often found in just those two words. Not so. It says in verse five, he who sits, or in verse uh, uh, four, the wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. They're not like the righteous. They don't have any part in the promised blessing. They don't follow God's word. They've chosen a different path. And God's estimation of their conclusion of life is totally different. It says the wicked are ultimately insubstantial. In other words, they refer to them as chaff. Chaff refers to the husk or the hull around a nut or a kernel. It seems quite strong. But once that kernel has been removed... It's light and just kind of goes away in the wind. I mean, think about a peanut for a minute. Open a peanut, you crack the shell open. After you eat the peanut, what do you do with the shell? Go to five guys, right? You see them all over the floor. If you're at a ball game, you toss them in the the aisle, okay? You don't eat them. That's what the wicked are like in the eyes of God. They look so powerful on the earth, but to God, they're like dust. Quickly blown away. I mean, their wisdom is like chaff, changing every day. New theories, new ideas, new beliefs, nothing solid, nothing definite, because the wicked live for themselves. They don't know right from wrong or good from bad. I mean, learn from this that life without God, beloved, life without God is empty. It's useless. It's trivial. It's worthless. Right? I mean, Solomon says it's the vanity of all vanities. If a man lives for a hundred years and he yet does not know God, he's just like a piece of useless chaff, blown away, forgotten. Secondly, their true character will be revealed in the day of judgment. When the time for judgment comes, the wicked will not stand because they don't have any roots. Everything about them is blow and show. Fourth and worldly pomp. It's just bluster. It's braggadocious. There's nothing of lasting value. We need to be reminded of that. Because in our world, it looks like the wicked are prospering. With one breath, the Lord will blow them all into hell. Meanwhile, the righteous will stand because they're like trees by the stream with deep roots in the word of God. The tree stands, the chaff disappears. That's why sinners won't be in the assembly of the righteous. They won't be there because the winds of judgment will have already removed them. We'll look at the end of these two ways. Verse 6, it says, For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. I mean, if you have your foot in the way of the righteous, if you've trusted in Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says that the righteous will endure because they know And are known by God. That Hebrew word there literally says that the Lord knows the way of the righteous. He knows the righteous the way a father knows his children. I mean, probably know a lot of different people. But I know my wife. I know my daughter. I know my grandkids. In a very personal, direct, and intimate way see I watch over them I constantly think about them I do whatever I can to help them and what I do in a small limited way God does continually and forever with absolute perfection for all of his children and it's because of his loving kindness that his children are preserved through their trials and brought safely home to heaven Well, the wicked, in their wicked ways, will ultimately, it says there, perish. I mean, this is just a sobering way to end this message, but it's reality. In the way, it says, in the end, their way will perish. All that they've lived for will disappear. Like a mist in the morning sun. And they themselves will perish along with their works of their hands. Their way, it says, comes to a dead end. Their life ends in destruction as they rush over the edge of the cliff, only to find themselves not annihilated, as some believe, but in a place of eternal torment, eternal hell forever. We need to be reminded of that. We need to be reminded of that because we live in a lost and fallen world. And God has called us to take this message of the gospel that has transformed our lives out not just here to Redwood City but to the ends of the earth well in the end what does all this mean just to conclude first of all casual flirtation with sinners soon leads to total domination by evildoers. don't think a little sin won't hurt you don't think getting your counsel from someone who doesn't know Christ well you're strong enough as a believer you can weed out the good and the bad Be careful. Don't play with fire unless you want to get burned. Secondly, as long as the world is what it is, godliness will largely be viewed as negative. Don't wait for the day when the world cheerleads our holiness and cheerleads our Christianity. It's not going to happen. It's growing harder and harder to stand up for the truth in this lost and dying world. And sometimes if you ignore the negative... You're never going to get to the positive. Thirdly, many people who seem successful by worldly standards will be judged total failures by God one day. Don't compare yourself to them. You compare yourself to this book. You compare yourself to how your walk is lining up with this. You compare your priorities in your family, in your marriage, in your life, with the words of this book, and you will be blessed. And then the last thing here, the happiest people in the world are those whose lives are built on the word of God. See, when you're doing what God has commanded you to do, every church will be a Bible church. Every Christian will be a Bible Christian, a walking testimony of what Christ has done for them. And in them and through them. Father we thank you today for your word. Lord I pray as we embrace this new year. That we would start off on a right footing. Lord apart from God's word. We don't have anything to offer this world. And Lord we know that a blessing awaits us as your children. As we embrace this word. As we apply it to our lives. As we memorize it. Lord I thank you for this church being a beacon of light a beacon of truth taking your word seriously and being willing to stand up in a lost and dying world to hold forth the only answer for people's sin the word of God the work of Christ on Calvary Lord as we prepare our hearts for communion time Lord, as we examine our own lives as we're commanded to as in Scripture as believers, I pray for any here who may not know you. Lord, I pray that they would be willing to cry out to you even now. Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Save me from my sin. Help me to embrace Christ as my Savior. Help me be freed from the shackles of sin that holds me captive. As believers, I pray that we would examine our own lives. Are we doing everything we can to reach out to a lost and dying world? Or are we growing a little too comfortable and having our church meeting once a week, smiling and say, God bless you, as we walk off into another week filled with things from the world? I pray that our weeks would be filled with your word each and every day. Father, we thank you for our time this morning. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.
1: Well, thank you for spending time with us here today on Graceful Truth, the ministry of Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. It's our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal his grace to your hearts through the teaching of his word each week. And we trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m. We offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade five. And if you would like to encourage us here at Graceful Truth, please give us a call at Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. Our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650 650- Three six six ninety nine twenty three. We meet at twenty two twenty five Euclid Avenue here in Redwood City. And directions are on our website, gracefultruth.org, or again, simply call six five zero three six six ninety nine twenty three. That's six five zero three six six ninety nine twenty three. And again, we'd love to have you join us for worship. Simply call for directions or go to our website, gracefultruth.org. While you're at our website, make sure to check out the resource materials available from us here at Graceful Truth, including past programs of Graceful Truth that you can download for free. GracefulTruth.org is where to go. If you're writing to us, our address is 2225 Euclid Avenue. That's 2225 Euclid Avenue. We're here in Redwood City. The zip code is 94061. And again, our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. We thank you for spending time with us today, and trust we'll see you next week at this same time for another broadcast of Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse.